This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a series dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Bakalu. Welcome back, friends, to Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. I am your host, Arlenis. Thank you for joining me on this new episode. Just some quick reminders. I would love for you guys to stay connected with us. And the way that we can do that is by following us on social media. You can uh, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And you can do that by going on the link here on the description or the show notes. And for you to be notified whenever we release a new episode, just make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening from, uh, whether it is from one of the podcast platforms or if you're watching on YouTube. And as we do every Tuesday, we have a new guest. I am having Ryan from Bible Dingers. I had the opportunity to join Ryan a couple of weeks or I don't know whenever this episode is released, but I had the opportunity to join Ryan along with uh, Jacob from Broken Bones and also Haley from Kindle Podcast, and we were able to join him live on their YouTube channel. And if you would like to find this interview, you can just go here uh, on the link on the show notes or the description. And um, and also for you to uh, follow their podcast, listen to their podcast, and subscribe to their YouTube channel. So I'll be, be sure to do that after this episode. Uh, so thank you guys again for joining me. And well, let's see. Here's my conversation with Ryan. All right, guys. So I am here with Ryan from Bible Dingers. What do you guys hey, say? Hey. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I have to do the, the sound effect, I guess. You know, like ding, 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 ding. <laughs> That's it. That's us. Yeah, well, welcome, Ryan, to our podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I've watched several episodes, so it's uh, surreal to be on the show. <laughs> well, as I mentioned in the little introduction that I did in the beginning, I had the privilege to join you guys on a live video on YouTube. And I already told people, if you want to watch it or listen to it, just... You know, I'm going to have the links here on the description or the show notes so they can and, you know, and they can find you guys. So I'll be adding that uh, on the on the show notes. But, yeah, it's a it's a privilege to have you guys. I got to I didn't get to meet you at G3. I got to meet. I actually got to meet Nick. I had to say hi. I stopped by and I, I was taking some videos to post it on the bar network. So, yeah, so I got to see you because you guys were separated from us. I know. Well, you did meet me. You might forget. You came over and you yelled at me. I did? You did, yeah. No. <laughs> because, because we were taking the Bar Network picture and I was running late. I was standing over by my booth talking to somebody and you came over and you yelled at me and I no, cried I about didn't. it. Like, well, yeah, you did. I remember that. I remember just, <laughs> I met Nick and then he gave me, I don't know if I'm going to be able to see it right now, but... um. He gave me this like little notepad and I went to buy goodies. So I just, I don't remember that. I just remember, yes, we were waiting for someone else, but that was you. (laughs) Yeah, I tried to, I tried to block it out too. It's no big deal. (laughs) No, but it was really fun. And, you know, it was just so amazing. All the fellowship that we had at G3. So it was amazing. And as I told you, like before we started recording, this is going to be released probably January. So and guess what? I'm actually interviewing Nick tomorrow. Really? Yeah. 
I'll tell you what, that's going to be a whole lot more interesting than whatever uh, whatever this is going to be. Well, I'll be the judge, I guess. <laughs> no, but yeah, so tonight is Monday. So we're recording Monday night right now. So tomorrow I'll be interviewing Nick. So your your guys' episodes are going to come one up, you know, back to back. So Bible nice. is in the house. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Awesome. So, Ryan, I normally like to have my guests, you know, give us a little background about their upbringing, their family. So if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit about that, you know, where were you born, you know, about your family, where you're raised in a believing home and well, you can share as much as as much as you want. Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, thanks again for having me on. I'm, I'm excited to do this. It's not often that uh, I come on and I, it gave me it gave me a chance to sort of analyze my own life because a lot of times when I'm on shows or doing interviews or anything like that, it's to talk about some sort of theological topic and I'm researching, you know, historical context and reading commentaries. And then I'll come on and give my spiel about theology. And so whenever uh, I was sort of getting ready to be on your shows is very different is much more of a reflection on my own personal life and i i suppose i just don't do that very much um so i was i spent most of my life in new jersey i was born here in central new jersey spent my whole childhood here in a christian home um my mother is originally from st louis my dad and my ancestors going back like six generations have been in new jersey forever Wow. Um, so yeah, so I was born and raised in New Jersey. I did a little stint in Texas for about five years and that's where I met my wife. And then, uh, we moved back to New Jersey about a year after we got married. So I just turned 30 and so I spent about... 25 of those years in uh in jersey and uh yeah i I came from uh, i came from all kinds of uh church and theological backgrounds uh i've been in pentecostal churches reformed churches mega churches uh i've I've done all the rounds and so i I guess we could probably get more into that because that's probably the only interesting thing about me um, but what about your family? So were your family believers? Like, what was it like at home for you? And you're the only child. Yeah. Yeah. So my parents, yes, are both Christians. They both love the Lord. Great parents. Couldn't ask for better parents. Love my parents. Uh, so I, I find myself very fortunate and lucky. Uh, God bless me with two great parents. Uh, and I do have a sister who was a few years older than me and used to bully me as as kids. And my mom always told her that one day I'm going to be bigger than her. And uh, one day I will be able to bully her. And so I haven't done that yet, but I'm, I'm going to pull that card one day, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was... Uh, doesn't listen to this then. <laughs> yeah. She's going to get a heads up. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. She'll start taking boxing lessons or something. <laughs> so what was it like for you growing up with your parents uh tell me a little bit about 
um, your parents teaching you about Christ, you know, sharing the gospel with you, confronting sin when they when they saw it. How was that for 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 you guys? So it started at a really early age. Um, I came to Christ uh, when I was like five or something, and my mom sort of explained to me who Jesus was, and I repeated a prayer after her. And she wrote on a little piece of paper, Ryan accepted Jesus on this day. And then from there was sort of standard stuff. You know, we had um, family devotions on and off. You know, we do it like every night for a few months and then we would stop for like two years and then, you know, get back on it because I'm sure they heard like convicting sermon or, you know, went to a retreat or something like that. And, and they decided, oh, we need to get back on family devotions. Um, so we, we were kind of on and off with the family devotions thing. Um, and they, we were always in church. We were there on Sundays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and other days if there was special stuff going on. So, uh, constantly in church was, was raised a little church kid walking around barefoot in the church, you know, as a little six-year-old, I knew every little corner of the church. Um, but it was fun. You know, I loved it. Yeah. And how will you um, describe it in like, you, you know, like your life after that? I mean, what did what did it look like? Like, do you think it, you actually understood the gospel that, you know, that was the time that you were actually saved or or what did your life look like after that? Yeah, so um, I spent that whole childhood in a Pentecostal church. It was like one of those churches where there was always prophets showing up. And people like yelling prophecies in the back of the church. And uh, it, was, it was a little bit nutso. But uh, that, that's what I grew up around. You know, I was used to that. And also because I had good Christian parents, I knew every fact about every Bible story, you know, and, and that sort of followed me my whole life. I knew like every Old Testament story. I knew the order of the books of the Bible, everything. I knew everything you know, intelligence wise about the Bible, because I, I grew up in it. But then in high school is when they moved us all to Texas. And we lived in the Houston area for about five years. And it's then that I went to a more reformed leaning youth group. It was kind of strange. It was sort of a, uh, the adult side of the church and the youth side of the church kind of clashed the youth pastor and the senior pastor they clashed a lot because the adult church was a officially a non-denominational church um but you know leaned pentecostal charismatic but then the youth group leaned like he was on the whole reformed wave when matt chandler mark driscoll and all these guys were really big you know, in the like mid 2000s, like 2005, 2000 to 2010 time. And so they were really about doctrine and gospel. And, you know, it was, it was really solid in that time period. And so that's when I really came to know Jesus for the first time. It was when my youth pastor was teaching a sermon series through Revelation, actually. He was teaching about the uh the seven churches i think it's seven mm -hmm. um in revelation and he got to the church of sardis 
and the church of Sardis. Um, that was the one where he says, I know your works, you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. And then, so he connected that to Jesus's conversation with the Pharisees, where he said to the Pharisees that you are like whitewashed tombs because you appear beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, you are dead bones. Mm -hmm. And so that night I was like, wow, you know, like I can walk the walk. I can talk the talk. I know all the Christian things, but I never truly understood and applied the gospel to myself and had a relationship with Jesus. And so that was the night where things really changed for me and my life really got dedicated to the gospel and ministry. Uh, so that was the major turning point. And how will you describe your life before that then? Like, you know, we have like a, a life before Christ and then after Christ. And, and then we have the process of sanctification in our lives. So how will you describe Brian before Christ? So there was kind of a dichotomy to Ryan before Christ. There was um, a side that my parents and my church saw. And then there was a side that sort of my friends from the neighborhood and school saw. And uh, my one of my biggest fears was that at some point, these people would somehow meet each other and they would talk about me. And, you know, my friends from the neighborhood would say, oh, this guy is the guy who's cursing and stealing stuff and making out with his girlfriend, you know, in the gym and all this stuff. And my church friends would be like, no, this is the guy that goes on missions trips and preaches every once in a while and is in the band. And uh, so that really marked my life, you know, in, in the church and in front of my parents, Angel, you know, I loved I loved God. I loved church. Um, I went on missions trips to, I went on to, to Dominican Republic, which I think you said that's where you're from, right? Yeah. I'm from, I'm from Dominican Republic. Yeah. 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 So I went to Santa, Santo Domingo twice on missions trips before I was saved. Um, wow. And that, you know, that, that marked my church life. And then my not church life was full of sin, full of crazy friends, cursing, being nuts that night when I learned about Church of Sardis, you know, being beautiful on the outside and dead bones on the inside, that's uh, that was majorly convicting for me. And you know, that the whole dichotomy just got erased, and I just became a man who loved the Lord after that. And I represented Christ in high school and everywhere I went after that point. And what happens after that? Like, what are some of the things then that are starting to happen in your life? You know, major changes in your life? Or do you get involved in ministry? Like, what is the Lord doing in your life after you finally come to know, you know, to Christ? Like, really come to Christ? <laughs> yeah. So there was sort of a continuation of the charismatic, uh, how do I phrase it, influence? on my life. So growing up in a Pentecostal church, like I was saying, it's very normal for the whole prophecy and craziness to be just normal. And it, it didn't seem weird to me when I was uh, maybe 10 years old, there was like a prophet guy that specialized in 
children speaking in tongues. And so he called all the kids up to the front and he said, okay, I, all these kids are going to speak in uh, angelic tongues by the end of five minutes or whatever. And so he would go around and he was praying all loud and stuff over me and like 20 other kids in the front of the sanctuary. And, you know, I was just like, you know, like saying whatever. And when he would walk away, I would start saying stuff in English just so like, cause he was holding the mic up to kids to hear what, you know, what they were saying. And so when I could hear him coming close, I'd be like, like gibberish, but then he walked away. I'd be like, Oh, I wonder what I'm going to do tomorrow. Oh, my homework's due. I got to work on that tonight. You know, just so my mouth was moving. So it looked like I was speaking in tongues, but I say that to say it's kind of a a random story, but I say that to say that that kind of followed me into my actual life of knowing Christ because that was my influence. That's that was the world that I knew. And so when I first got saved, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be like this now that I'm actually saved and I'm going to be like this spiritual giant and I'm going to be casting out demons and people are going to be falling over and stuff. And, uh, I kind of got, it's, it's weird because I kind of got reaffirmed in that when I was like a brand new Christian and was still sort of under that influence. I went on two more missions trip this time to Brazil. And this was with, um, the group from, from Texas. I was in, church in texas now and so i went on a couple of mission trips to brazil these were much more long form the first one was like a month the second one was like three months almost and i was at a charismatic church in brazil and these people had never seen somebody from the united states before i was their first contact with a white dude and so it was like it was like a big deal at this church and they you know, you know how I don't know if you spent much time in that world, but you know, there's like a spiritual hierarchy almost. And since I was like a missionary from the United States, you know, people thought like, oh, I was this huge prophet guy and I was super important and spiritual. And so I was going and praying over people, people were falling over and all this stuff. And that sort of reaffirmed to me, like, oh, I'm this, I'm this spiritual giant, you know, like. I'm casting out demons in Jesus name and things are happening and people are falling over. And it was just, you know, looking back, it's, it's cringe, you know, to look back on that time in my life, but you know, it's, it's the beginning stages, you know, that's, that's how it is for new Christians. You know, you, you love Jesus and you don't really have doctrine figured out yet. Uh, You don't really have much of anything figured out yet. That's why you need mentor mentorship and, good teaching and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it it definitely crept into my post-conversion world. And then what really changed me um, was going to college. I think I, I fancied myself like a solid Christian um, that knew a lot of Bible, knew a lot about Jesus. And then I, what, what happened was, I wanted to go to a mission school called YWAM. I don't know if you've heard of YWAM before. No. It stands for Youth with a Mission. Um, And basically, they have small schools all over the world. And my youth pastor attended a YWAM in South Africa. And so that inspired me. I wanted to go to a YWAM in Kenya. 
And uh, I, that, that's what I was going to do about two months before I was going to fly out to Africa. My mom sat me down and she said, look, you are irresponsible. You are immature. You do not need to be going to Africa and doing some kind of missions trip for two years. And uh, she said, here's what you can do. You can get a job and figure your life out, or I will send you to college. And so uh, I chose to go to a Bible college and my parents loved me so much. They, they were good to me that they paid for it. And uh, I went to a dispensational Bible college. And for people who aren't really into theology, the, um, the gap between the charismatic group and the dispensational group is very large. <laughs> These people do not agree on much when it comes to theology. Um, and so when I, my first day at the school, they make you take a theology test to kind of, it's not just a gauge for them, but it's also sort of a gauge for yourself to see where you're at with your Bible knowledge. I took this test on the, on the first day thinking that I know a lot about the Bible and theology. And I got like a seven on the test. I got like 7% on the test, like the worst grade I've ever gotten on anything in my entire life. And, uh, that was a very humbling experience for me because it made me realize that I am dumb for number one and number two, (laughs) I know much less about the Bible than I think I know. And so that sort of uh, gave me a spirit of humility, I guess, going into Bible college. And uh, I, I soaked, I soaked those classes up like a sponge. I, I really loved learning Bible, theology, apologetics, all that. And in that school, they teach cessationism. And that was a big deal for me. That was, uh, that's what sort of opened me to being open to other theological beliefs because I was so strongly in the continuation camp when it comes to spiritual gifts, I was being taught cessationism and it made a lot of sense to me. In fact, I thought um, that it was what the Bible was teaching. And so that sort of revolutionized my theology. It revolutionized my approach to the Christian life, to the Bible and theology in general. And, uh, so since then, since having that experience, um, I think that my theological journey has been marked by sort of just being open to where the Bible leads, you know, and not necessarily just allowing my theological presuppositions to dictate what I believe about God for the rest of my life. So will you say that the time that you spent in that um, Bible school uh, was like, would really move you out of the Pentecostal movement and the teachings, uh, will you say? Yeah, I think uh, it was a combination between um, my Bible college and the fact that uh, the youth group I went to was sort of um, not going with the flow at the church I was going to. So not only did I have the professors at my college sort of on my side, biblically and doctrinally, but also my youth leaders and youth pastors were on my side doctrinally as well. So I was also supported by my church just on a 
hierarchical scale, I guess, on a, on a lower level than the senior pastors and things like that. I, you know, churches in, in Texas are not like churches in New Jersey, churches in New Jersey, a big church is like 200 people or so. And the youth group would be maybe like 30 or 40 kids. And that's a big church in New Jersey because uh, there's not a lot of Christians here. But in Texas, if you go to a church that is 200 people, the youth group is 30 or 40 kids. That was a very small church. Uh, my youth group had like two, two or 300 kids in it. And it had like several youth pastors, several youth leaders. Um, so it, it, was, it was nice to have that support, not only from my Bible college professors, but also from the, the leadership in the youth ministry that I was going to. Yeah. And so how do you uh, begin to sort of like leaving that behind? Like, what is that process like for you, um, you know, leaving that teaching, like the charismatic teachings? And what are some of the things that you're learning then? Like, what is, you know, moving you out of there, like out of that bad teaching? It was um, mostly the work of John MacArthur. I had to do a, a paper on the Holy Spirit for school. And so I read Charismatic Chaos by John MacArthur, which is sort of a uh, foundational work for people who are just getting started with cessationist beliefs. That was that was a big one for me. And then sort of just doing the research on how the Holy Spirit works, how the gifts of the Spirit works. I had it, it was like a 30 pager. And so it was no small feat to uh, write about the Holy Spirit in general for 30 pages. Uh, so just doing that homework assignment honestly was uh it was the biggest change for me but but i'm sort of at a point where i don't necessarily like i don't want to word it correctly because i am a reformed person i promise but i don't like i'm not dogmatic about my beliefs at this point like if you go to a continuationist church a charismatic church or if you even hold to that belief I honestly don't really care that much as long as you get the, the main thing, right. And that's obviously Jesus, him crucified, rising from the dead, you know, washing you from your sins, all that stuff. I don't necessarily, um, I don't, I, I most definitely do not look down on somebody for having those beliefs is what I should say, because I mean, I held those beliefs for the large majority of my life. And there's some solid theologians that can support those beliefs like Wayne Grudem, who we actually had on the show one of the most respected theologians of our lifetime is a continuationist uh, as well as Craig Keener and others. Um, so it's not like super far fetched. Um, it's just not something that I hold to anymore. And the reason why I think I'm talking about it so much is just because this has been the sort of the key doctrine that changed me into being open to learning more about what the Bible says and not just simply believing what my tradition has been for the entirety of my life. Yeah. So then what happened after uh, Bible college? Like what happens in your life? What, you know, did you go into ministry? What, what happened then? Yeah. So it's a sad story um, and a happy story. The sad part is that I, did not finish Bible college. I had like two semesters left. Honestly, I was, I was right there. I was almost done. But while I was in college, I met a beautiful woman named Danielle 
uh, who went to my church and we were dating. I fell in love and we decided to get married very young. Actually, I was 20 when I proposed and she was 19 when we got married. She was 19 and I was 21. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, we got married very young. And what happened was I was going to take a semester off to have the wedding and the honeymoon, things like that. And one semester has turned into seven years. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So, uh, that's, that's where I'm at. I've, I've contacted them a couple of times because they're in Texas. Um, and I'm here in New Jersey. So I've contacted them a couple of times about potentially finishing virtually, but it's just, yeah. uh, it's, it's not in the cards right now. They're not offering virtual for the classes I need to take. So sad story. I did not get to finish Bible college, but has a, a happy twist in that I met the love of my life and, uh, I've never been happier. So it's a blessing. Yeah. Um, and so are you like involved in your church, like the church that you guys go to there in New Jersey? What, what are you guys doing in your church? Yeah, so that's also potentially an interesting story. We were actually going to a mega church here in New Jersey for several years, and this was after I had good theology. Um, we were going to Hillsong in New Jersey for about three years under the Carl Lentz regime, and we were uh, actually leaders for the New Jersey campus. We led home groups for uh, families. And so I, uh, that's, that's sort of a whole thing. I, I had a vision for Hillsong in New Jersey, uh, and, and making it sort of a, a Bible loving, uh, gospel centered church, but that didn't happen. And the church kind of, uh, fell apart as many people know about a year and a half ago. And so now we find ourselves at a Baptist church in Brooklyn where Nick goes He's, he's the one who uh, kind of turned us on to it. At first, I did not want to go there, to be honest, um, because I see Nick at least six days a week, and I didn't want to make it seven days a week. <laughs> Why do you see him so many times? <laughs> well, it's Nick and I. Nick is my best friend um, by far, and uh we have lived next door to each other as well as worked together as well as gone to church together, done ministry together. Our wives are best friends. And so we would literally see each other every single day of the week. And so I was, I was really just joking about the not wanting to see him on Sundays thing. (laughs) It was much more so because we live like a good 45 minutes from Brooklyn and, uh, I wanted to have more of a local community um, close to me. We didn't go there for a while. We kind of went, we looked around at churches around us. There was sort of a uh, faction from Hillsong, New Jersey that all left at the same time, sort of the uh, Bible and Jesus lovers. We all kind of split all together. The majority of that group was going to a church um, that is only like 10 minutes from us. So we did go there for a little while, um, but we decided that we didn't want to be there because uh, it was sort of just like a Hillsong Junior. Um, and so we we ended up going to the church in Brooklyn after after maybe like seven months of 
uh, not doing it and resisting, we did finally give in to the tempter, uh, Nick. <laughs> and so are you guys involved in this new church? Like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, yeah. Um, Nick is the worship leader at the church. So I'm actually oh, under him at that. this point. Yeah, I'm under him at this point. I'm on the worship team as well. I sing and play bass. And then uh, I'm trying to help them step up their tech game a little bit. I'm trying to help them uh, stream on StreamYard to YouTube. And I've been doing their uh, announcement graphics and things like that. And then my wife is working on doing uh, the kids ministry. The kids ministry kind of fell apart with COVID because the the people who are running it uh, stopped going. And so they haven't had a kids ministry really since. And so uh, my wife and I have been talking the past few weeks about her potentially taking over the kids ministry. So Oh, nice. Yeah. So now let's get to the question because now we got to like connect, connecting you with uh, Nick and you guys are doing Bible dingers together. And there's another guy also, Mark, right? That's his name? Yes. Yep. That's the one that I have not met yet. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. So tell me, so th- how do you guys uh, decide to, you know, to do this uh, podcast? Like what, what was the, you know, wh- what is the inspiration behind it? Like, well, let's start uh, Bible dingers. That's a good question. So we both really loved podcasts and we both felt as if um, we weren't doing enough for the kingdom, for God we decided, well, let me rewind that a second. We were doing a lot for our church. We were leading worship. We were doing um, Bible studies, things like that. Um, But we felt like we had, God had given us gifts that we were not using. The church is more than just the church, the local church that you meet at. Church is global. And so we decided that we can use our gifts to serve the global church. Um, And so we were kicking around ideas. We first started with the idea of YouTube um, and doing sort of short theology videos for beginner Christians. And then uh, because we really liked podcasts, that's sort of how we landed on that because what we teach really does need sort of a long form format. Um, for people watching and listening who haven't watched or listened to Bible dingers, what we do is we teach book by book through the entire Bible about the historical context of that book. So if you pull us up on Apple Podcasts, you'll see an episode for Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, all the way to we just released um, Galatians today. So we've done the entire Bible up to Galatians. And in the episode, we talk about who wrote that book, you know, how we know that they wrote that book. So we'll use archaeological evidence, historical evidence, internal evidence within the book itself. We talk about when it was written, why it was written, who it was written to, some of the historical context around when it was written. Um, it honestly, talk, it, I was talking to Dwayne earlier today. We were, we were interviewed for his show uh, around lunchtime today. And I was telling him too that it probably takes me like tw- somewhere between 12 to 15 hours just to prepare for one episode because it's just so much research and time spent figuring out all this historical context, getting different views 
on why people think certain people wrote certain books, things like that. So that's sort of how we ended up on podcasting because content like that is really difficult to do in like a three minute video. It really sort of needs a long form hashing out, discussing the evidence, discussing the different viewpoints and why we land on the certain viewpoints that we land on. Yeah. So that's it. That's that's why we ended up podcasting and, and doing what we've been doing. And we have just recently uh, worked into YouTube after podcasting for about three years. We started on YouTube like a month and a half ago. So now we're trying to go down that little rabbit hole. Yeah. And what about the name? How do you guys come up with a name? Because <laughs> the name, it's like, it's a catchy name. So how do you guys come up, uh, came up with like Bible dingers? Yeah, so uh, Nick and I were texting back and forth for, I think, three days is the official number. Um, And in those three days, we were just trying to come up with names for the show. Mm -hmm. And we started with more serious names, you know, like the Bible History Show or, you know, Bible Brothers Explaining Context, you know, whatever. Just like real sort of like square, real serious theology shows. And after several days of kicking back and forth ideas, it's just like you get you get weary of coming up with ideas and you just start saying really dumb ideas. And that's what was happening. We were saying dumb ideas sort of as jokes. You know, we were like sending jokes back and forth to each other. And it was actually Nick that said Bible dingers. And I don't know if it was just because I was tired of trying to think of names or because I truly liked it, but I thought it actually did sound catchy. And so from there, we kind of had to figure out, okay, if we go with Bible dingers, we have to figure out what that actually means because it doesn't really mean anything when we first came up with it. Uh, And that's where the light bulb came from. We have a light bulb for our uh, logo. And it's because we figured that Bible dingers is that when you listen to our show about historical context, you'll get a ding moment. The light bulb will go off in your head. And now you will understand what the author was saying to the original audience. And so <laughs> it it started as a, a word meaning nothing. And we sort of snuck a meaning in at, at the end there. <laughs> the ding, 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 ding. That's it. Yeah, that's, that's why it. I was saying that in the beginning. That's it. Yeah, we have like a whole uh we have like one of those hotel, you know, bells or one of the ones you put on the yeah, front desk yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. We have one of those. So during the show, whenever we have ding moments and stuff, we'll hit it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So and how can uh people find your podcast just for our listeners? Where can they find it? And I will be sure to add the links in here. Yeah, we're on all the major podcast platforms. We're not on any of the weird ones like ABC Pod or, uh, you know, any of those random ones. When we were at G3, people were like, oh, are you on a pod triangle or whatever? And I'm like, no, like, get with the times, man. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, like the regular podcast stuff. All right? That's the best I could do for you. Uh, but we're also like, we we do other stuff. We do blogs, YouTube and stuff like that. So the easiest way for people to find us is just on BibleDingers.com. We haven't done blog, honestly, in like a year and a half, but I did do a blog like 
maybe two and a half years ago now about um, slavery, if the Bible supports slavery or not. And that uh, seems to be a really popular blog. Uh, we're, we're like, if you if you go to Google and you type in Leviticus uh, 18, whatever, the, the main like verse about slavery, we ended up being the top result on Google. And so we have like this whole, we have like our fan base that listens to the podcast. And then we have like a whole other group of people that just like reads that blog <laughs> because they Googled that verse. And so wow. uh, if, if if you're into blogs, check out that one. It, it's a long one though. It, it'll take you like a half hour to read, but uh, we have, we have all kinds of stuff besides the podcast. Yeah. And you guys are also part of the bar network. Um, our bar family shout out to the bar network <laughs> Dwayne <laughs> so how do you guys end up you know connecting with Dwayne and joining the network um, so Nick who does the show with me is uh, he's relentless I mean when he wants something he gets that something no matter what and so he told me about the bar network Um. Obviously, every Christian has listened to Just Thinking podcast, and so that's really where we got um, introduced to the Bar Network. And so Nick was telling me about the Bar Network, and he was like, "Oh man, I really want to be on this network." And it was then that I knew that we would be on the network. Uh, so that was to be there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it was honestly Nick's doing. Um, Nick is the one who found it and linked up with Dwayne and he is the doer of all things social and anything that involves interaction. That's Nick. You know, it's, it's kind of amazing how it came together. We, um, Nick, Mark, and myself, I find that we we complement each other really well as far as our strengths and weaknesses and the gifts that God gave us. Nick is just the greatest salesperson I've ever met. He has really good social skills. He can talk to anybody. He can pressure anybody and he has no shame in doing it. Um, whereas I'm, I'm a lot more introverted and I, I, I'm not confrontational. Uh, I don't like, you know, telling people how great our content is or anything like that. I don't even have social media. I don't, I don't have any social media. Yeah. Uh, Cause for you guys and yeah, I, I'm not on it. <laughs> Uh, cause I, cause I don't like it. It's, it's too much. It's too much fighting. It's too much stuff. And I, life is stressful enough. I find yeah, so especially nowadays. it is, it's true. And so Nick does all that. He handles our social media. He handles any sort of interactions with anybody. Mark is like a technical genius. He writes music for us. He makes graphics, makes videos, animations, edits our podcasts. Anything having to do with anything technical, Mark is amazing at. He went to school for music. And so it's like, and his dad is like a professor of music. And so it, it's in his blood. That's who he is. He's great at technical stuff and anything artsy fartsy. You guys and have then, amazing quality, by the way. Like, as yeah. far as like the graphics and everything. I think it was Nick actually who, um, I think he was the very first person that I ever talked to uh, um, 
you know, from Bible tangers. And I remember one of his um, suggestions to me, which I found it like it was so kind of him. You know, like we had a different name on Instagram because we couldn't get the whole full name. So mm -hmm. I didn't know what to name it. And it was like something that didn't actually point to, I guess, to, you know, to the the podcast itself, like Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. And he was the one who encouraged me, like, you know, try to change your social media to, you know, to be related, you know, like to your podcast so that it's easier to find. And I did that. So, yeah, that was yeah. Nick. <laughs> yeah, Nick is great like that. Yeah. And you were right about the quality. Mark is just incredible. I'm I'm just so lucky to have those guys uh, along this journey with me. I I really couldn't do it without them. Uh, I'm the I'm just the the book reader. Like I said, like I said earlier, I do the I do the research for the shows. I put together the outlines with the content and stuff like that. And I'm much more behind the scenes, and that's where I feel comfortable. I have a glass of chamomile tea here oh, nice. because. I've only been I've only been doing YouTube videos for like two months and I still get like really bad anxiety every time I video record. And so I was hoping How did you do the why that we did with you the interview because you were the only one there. I was <laughs> like, like, oh, my gosh, I was I was I barely made it through. <laughs> you did great. Honestly, I, I'm, I'm not even able to tell that you're shy of like, you know, <laughs> yeah, of being in the public. <laughs> It's, I'm like a whitewashed tomb, you know. I might seem beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, I'm currently dying. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell. Like now that you tell me, now I'm gonna be paying attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, but how awesome, you know, that you still decided to do this with the guys, and now you know, moving on to YouTube. Because when you're just doing podcasts, you're really just sitting behind the microphone you know like you're not actually putting your face out there but not on youtube it's different especially when you're leading the conversation in a live video like you did <laughs> like yeah. you've been doing so that's awesome yeah well uh so now i'm gonna move on to my signature questions then <laughs> okay only three there are only three okay. so um since you seem to be you know kind of like a book person you just love reading i guess do you have any favorite books or any books that have been helpful, you know, in your spiritual life with your the Lord and your growth spiritually? Any favorite books? That's that is a really hard question to answer. <laughs> um, there, there's so many. Uh, one of the first books that I loved was the Screw Tape Letters uh, by C.S. Lewis. I read that book many times over. Uh, that's that's a really good one. Uh, honestly, and I'm not saying this because I have any sort of bias whatsoever, because I don't, uh, but the, just thinking about the state book right over here, uh, was, I, I read it about a month ago and it's probably the best book I've read in like two years. I loved that book because, uh, Daryl and Virgil are so clear and concise and right to the point in that book, I can't stand books that are like surface level argumentation and and uh, long winded and uh, and just not not very good. And that is the opposite of this book. This book is yeah. it's not short, but it's concise. The arguments are really well thought out. And so, probably in the past two years, I would say that just thinking about the state was probably my my favorite book. 
Nice. Well, shout out to those thinking then. <laughs> yeah. 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 I I'm still I'm still reading through it. So yeah. It's uh, a good one. It's a good yeah. one. Yeah. So what are three things that brings you joy? Man, you ask <laughs> these are good Only questions. Three. <laughs> three things. I always I had people that they cheated before. They're like, oh but wait, can I just say one more? <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, obviously my wife brings me joy. That's a given for any husband. I'm sure that's been on your show. Um, my kids obviously give me joy and I have two kids. So is that, (laughs) do my two kids each count as one? (laughs) No, that's fine. That counts like your kids. Okay. Your kids. Okay. (laughs) My wife, my kids, and, uh, I'd say a good slice of pizza. Good slice of pizza. So yeah. do you go to New York a lot to and get? Well, yeah, you do. Um, do everyone is big about the New York pizza. Come on, <laughs> New York pizza. Let me tell you something. Oh no, New York pizza is not nearly as good as New Jersey pizza. Oh really? That's because you're from New Jersey. I lived in it New has York too, not, and I had it. I told you I have no bias. This has nothing to do with bias. This is just <laughs> science. This is basic science. Everybody knows that New Jersey pizza is objectively better than New York pizza. People, the people have to be the judge, okay? So people will have to now go to New Jersey, <laughs> go to New York and try it. But every person that I've heard, uh, you know, when they talk about pizza, they talk about the one from New York, at least here in LA. So Listen, sorry, I haven't heard anything about New Jersey until now. <laughs> that's because people have been led astray over the years. And that's what we're here for. This is why the Bar Network exists to correct these errors and this felonious reasoning that people have just been going with. It's just sheeple that are out here saying that New York pizza is amazing. You know, these people have no idea what they're talking about. So much for not being confrontational. (laughs) (laughs) I'm totally joking. Honestly, New York pizza is probably way better. (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, honestly, somebody's got to stick up for Jersey because everybody makes fun of us and everybody just thinks we're all a bunch of poly D's and <laughs> maybe they're right. Maybe they're wrong. I don't know. Well, it's been a while since I've been in New York City. I used to go, though, like a lot from New York to to New Jersey. There was a time that I would go um, and taking the pause. Actually, I never drove down there. <laughs> Where did you live in New York? Yeah. Uh, my family lives out there. I'm the only one from my family out here. So everyone lives in Long Island. I have an uncle in Brooklyn, New York, Williamsburg, I think. I think that's where he's still. I don't know if he's still there. But yeah, I have family all over the place. The Bronx, Brooklyn, most of them or a big amount of my family. It's like in New, in Long Island, Colpate. Gotcha. Is your, uh, is your uncle in Williamsburg a hipster? Nah, he's not. Okay. That's a very hipster. That's like a super hipster town. Really? Yeah, I, you know, that's where all I've the guys really, with the glasses. I hope he doesn't listen to that, but I never really liked Brooklyn. Like at least that, oh. that, that area. At least that area I didn't really Well, I, I thought you were gonna say it. you never really liked your uncle. Oh <laughs> <laughs> no, 
I love my uncle. Okay, <laughs> good. Like, That's, that was close. He was the one who will take me out whenever he went to visit in Dominican Republic. He was the one who will take me out all the time. So yes, my uncle is fun. No, I love him. Gotcha. I got <laughs> but yeah, you. Yeah. So all right. So you said your wife, your kids, and a good slice of pizza. Okay, great. Yeah. And now so. my final question for you. Obviously, this podcast is all about sharing our testimony of, and it's not about us. It's about Christ. It's about what Christ has done in our lives. So why do we need Jesus Christ? Why do we need Jesus Christ? Well, of course, um, so that we will have salvation. I think primarily that is most importantly why. But also, I have found that... Um, being a Christian and having a relationship with Jesus Christ is what has truly given me purpose for my life. Um, I think that without Jesus, you may not say this outright, but essentially life is meaningless. Uh, life is purposeless. With If the gospel is not true, if Jesus is not real, if there is no life after death, then uh, life truly is meaningless. And so I've I've found a lot of purpose in the gospel it's really been sort of the central reason why we've chosen to do anything in our lives was to centralize and live out the gospel and so uh yeah uh, of course besides salvation i would say it, it it actually gives life purpose and meaning yeah amen well thank you ryan for joining me and I hope to have you guys, I mean, have you another time. I, I also do other things other than also the testimonies. <laughs> so I've done some fun episodes before with some of our guests. Um, but thank you again. And I'll be sure uh, to include the links here so everyone can find you. But before uh, we end uh, the interview, uh, will you mind just uh, closing us in prayer? Yeah, for sure. I'd love to. Dear God, I thank you so much for this opportunity to talk with my sister in Christ. And sort of in the preparation stage of this interview, allowing me to reflect back on the life that uh, would be meaningless and purposeless without you, God. I thank you for your grace that you've had on me to forgive my sins and Arlenius' sins as well, God. I pray for anybody watching this who has never come to know you, Jesus, that they would love you, they would know you, and that you would wash their sins away, that they may have a relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.